Hi, good day, and welcome to On the Road. My name's Scott Gibbons. Oh, it's terrific to be with you. It is terrific to be with you. What's this show all about? It's all about caravans and motorhomes and camper trailers and getting out and seeing this fabulous country of ours, which we all love, don't we? Oh, don't we love it? By golly, you wouldn't want to be anywhere else during this COVID thing, would you? You would not want to be. So the show is all about those things, but we just nail that back to RVs, which is recreational vehicles. I know, I know. It's so much simpler than saying caravan and motorhome and camper trailer and whatever else. So it's just the RVs. So this week, oh, we've got some good stuff for you this week, and we've got some terrific music. If you like Aussie music, that's what we play on the show. It's Aussie music. So you get to enjoy some songs that maybe you haven't heard in a while, maybe you haven't heard them at all. Oh, some fabulous things going on. One of the big things that's going on at the moment is the caravan and camping shows that are coming on this year, or at least, at least, hopefully on for this year, the 17th to the 21st of February in Adelaide, the Adelaide Showgrounds, is the Let's Go Caravan and Camping Show, so that should be terrific. The Victorian Caravan and Camping Super Show, that's going to be on later in the year, we surely hope, that one. The Perth Caravan and Camping Show, that's booked for the 17th to the 21st of March at the Claremont Showgrounds, the New South Wales one, that's the biggie, that's the super show. That's the 13th to the 18th of April at the Rose Hill Racecourse in Sydney. Oh, that's going to be huge, I hope. <laughs> I hope, I hope it's on. The Queensland Caravan Camping and Touring Super Show, well, that may be probably around the 20th, oh, about June maybe, June, I would think. Uh, the big one that's coming up very short, I think this is going to be huge, I think... People are going to be amazed at how many people show up for this one. If they're allowed in, it should be. It's the 5th to the 7th of February. It's at the Newcastle Entertainment Centre and Showground. Oh, it'll be huge. The Newcastle Caravan and Camping Lifestyle Expo. That's 5 to 7 of February 2021. That's in New South Wales, of course. Then the 5 to 7 of March, that's the Gold Coast. So you've got the Caravan and Camping Expo at the Gold Coast. That's at the Metricon Stadium. 5 to 7 of March. The Great Outdoor and 4x4 Expo is at the Mornington Race Course. That's the 11th to 14th of March, again, 2021. These are all the new shows that are coming out. The South Queensland Caravan Camping, Boating and Fishing Expo, that's on the 9th to the 11th of April, 21. And the Albury Wodonga one's coming up 30th of April to the 2nd of May, 2021 as well. So, And there's another one in Ballarat. 30th of April or 2nd of May. Now, if you didn't write those note, those uh, dates down quick enough, don't forget, you can just go straight on to our podcast. So you go to ontheroadmedia.com.au, ontheroadmedia.com.au, and you can just listen to the podcast again. All those dates will be on there for you. But tyres are the thing you've got to be aware of. Tyres, oh my golly. Some things you've got to be aware of with tyres are just immense low tire pressures what's the benefits what's the risks well caravan camping classifies they did a beaut thing so obviously if you're into four-wheel driving and the show's all about four-wheel driving as well but if you're into four-wheel driving then the four-wheel drivers lower their tire pressures for the off-road or the challenging road conditions so lower tire pressures can increase the contact or will increase the contract with contact with the the track and the huge obstacles that might otherwise puncture a tyre because the lower the pressure, you're more bagging you've got, and that can be good in certain situations, not so good in others. So low air pressures will impact the vehicle, which applies greater strain on your steering and your suspension and your wheel bearings, and, and maybe you'll chew through some more fuel. So you don't run your low tyre pressures if you're on good quality tarmac. So if you're on good bitumen, don't do it. It's only... 
only when you're off-road. Off-road means that you're not on bitumen generally, so that's something to be aware of. Your high tyre pressures, well, you run your high tyre pressures if you've got, again, good quality tyres and maybe you're carrying heavy loads, but uh, you've got to keep it within your tyre manufacturer's recommended air pressure range. So any higher than the recommended pressure and you can affect the ride. So you become... Um, a bit too bouncy maybe, a bit too harsh on your passengers as well. So excess air can cause your tyres to bulge downwards so that results in uneven wear. You're going to get a lot more wear on the centre of your tyre and not so much on the outer edges. So uh, that'll give you less grip and can impact other areas of, of your vehicle as well. So you've got to adjust your tyres. If you're going off-road, best to have a, an air compressor with you. If you've got an air compressor, uh, it makes all the difference, all the difference. I was watching Dakar. Are you watching Dakar? Ah, oh, on some of the vehicles on Dakar, they've got automatic, as they're driving, air pressure adjusters. So if they want more pressure to go in, they can do it. If they want to drop some pressure, they can to go down. Oh, and that's doing it while they're driving along. I think that's going to be sensational. But we all need to adjust our pressures when the blacktop ends. If you're going to have where the blacktop ends, then, hey, you might as well have Keith Urban sing that for you. I know Arthur Cobb loves Keith Urban. Arthur listens to the show. So oh, who else listens to it? Gene and Sandra, they listen to the show. I know every week I get I get communications from them. The Mihugs in the UK, they listen to us. Sci Tip in Thailand, ah, always sending the show to her. So that's fabulous. So here we go. Arthur Cobb, this is for you and everybody else who enjoys Keith Urban. This is called Where the Black Top Ends. Hey, my name's Scott Gibbons. This show is On the Road. If you want more of it, ontheroadmedia.com.au. You'll find us on Spotify, but ontheroadmedia.com.au. Here's Keith Urban, Where the Black Top Ends. Get ready to tap your feet. And the dirt and the gravel on me Going back to the well Gonna visit old friends And feed my soul With a black top ends hey! I'm looking down the barrel Of a ride at night And riding on a river of freeway lights A goodbye city I'm in country bound So Monday rolls around <laughs> Gonna kick off my shoes Running bare feet Where the grass and the dirt and the gravel on me Going back to the well Going to visit old friends And feed my soul Where the black tongue ends Working in the ground is an uphill road I'm punching that clock and carrying that load Busted all week and then I'm free. The weekend belongs to me. <laughs> I'm gonna kick off my shoes and run in bare feet with the grass and the dirt and the gravel on me. Going back to the well, gonna visit old friends and feed my soul where the black top ends. So come on, give me some fresh air, give me that farm, give me some time with you in my arms. Far away from the hustle and the pressure and the noise. Wanna kick out my shoes and run in bare feet where the 
grass and the dirt and my gravel on me Going back to the way I'm going to visit old friends And feed my soul, you betcha Gonna kick off my shoes and run in bare feet With the grass and the dirt and the gravel on me Going back to the way I'm going to visit old friends And feed my soul where the black top ends Where the black top ends Oh, yeah, with the black top ends. Isn't that terrific? Did your feet tap? <laughs> mine did, mine did. Now, with tyres, just continue on a little bit there, you've got to maintain the tread with your tyres. So if you're unsure of your tyres' condition, then you've got to check out this tread wear indicators. They're, they're like a little bar that's between the tread grooves around the tyres. So these square rubber nodes, as they're called, they're about one and a half millimetres deep, and that's the minimum legal tread depth uh, in Australia. So if these bars are flush with your tread surface on the road, then you're breaking the law. And we don't want you breaking the law. No, no, no. So your tread wear indicators, they can help diagnose even our uneven wear, uneven wear, which is caused by poor alignment or under and over inflated tyres. So that's something to be aware of. So just have a look at your tyres. You'll see a little bar going across, tiny little bar, and that'll, it's about one and a half centimetres deep. If your tyre is the same height as those, then time to get new tyres. So, yeah, I know the feeling. I've got to get new tyres too. So no matter the condition of your tread, if the rubber is old, then it's less flexible. It's going to crack, and that'll increase your risk of a blowout or a failure. So thankfully, there's a date on your tyres, because, you know, you don't remember when you bought your tyres necessarily, do you? But the manufacturers have to put a date on it. Now, this is very important. This is very important. You'll find a lot of times on the internet and Facebook and whatever else, you'll see some cheap tyres come up. Importantly, you've got to check when those tyres were manufactured. Now, the, the manufacture date is on the tyre. That can't be changed. But you'll find that sometimes tyres come into Australia that may have been sitting somewhere for some years. And so you think, well, gee, they're cheap, they're good, but all they're really doing is just dumping them. So check the dates to make sure... And I'll give you the clue on how to do that. So all you do is on the on the side wall of a tyre, there's a 10 to 12 digit number, which was preceded by the word dot, D-O-T. D-O-T precedes the 10 to 12 digit number. Now the final four digits identify the date. So the first two of those final four digits indicate the week of manufacture. So if it says... Uh, one o, then that's the tenth week of manufacture. If it says one seven, then that's the seventeenth week of manufacture in the year, and the year is the last two digits. So it might say one seven nineteen. So that was the seventeenth week of twenty nineteen. Nice and easy. So if you're buying new tyres, make sure that they're new and haven't been sitting around for years, because you will find that there's some deals that come up, and you think, oh, that's too cheap. And there's a reason something's too cheap. So there you go. And traditionally, six years was the rule of thumb for replacing a tyre on a on, on a vehicle, even though uh, yeah, they might still have plenty of tread on them. But modern compounds are improving. So check with your manufacturer 
for advice on your tyre replacement time. But, you know, that's something to be aware of, isn't it? That's something to be aware of. Yeah, I, I would reckon. Now, what else have we got to talk about? There's so many things, so many things we've got to talk to you about today. Because, importantly, so many people are putting bikes on their on their, at the back of their caravan, back of their camper trailer, back of their motorhome, whatever it be. And a lot of bikes are getting stolen. So what you've got to do is make sure that you do as much as you can to prevent your bike being stolen. So one of the things to do is to take a photograph of your bike and numerous photographs, lots of photographs of your bike so that... Um, you know, you you've got you've got those photos so you can prove that it's yours. So if you're selling that bike, at least you've got proof that you've had that bike for some time because you've got photos of it in different situations. So take pictures of your bike so you know exactly what it looks like, including any modifications that you might have done and anything that makes it easier for you to identify that your bike might have been stolen. So if it's your bike that's been stolen, you can prove it. So if your bike ends up for sale online, that there may be some visual clues there to help tracing your bike. So Bicycle New South Wales, if you want to check with them, it's bicycle, B-I-C-Y-C-L-E-N-S-W.org.au. If you go onto their site, bicyclensw.org.au, they'll give you lots of clues. There is a national bike register, by the way, and they recommend that you register your bike with what's called Bike Vault, V-A-U-L-T, Bike Vault. They've got a national bike register. It's a free community service where bike owners can enter your bike's details in case your bike gets stolen. And it can be maybe tracked and maybe returned to you. So that's good. So Bike Vault, they combine the forces of the industry. So they've got crime stoppers, they've got the police, they've got bike owners, they've got the wider community to expose and defeat, hopefully, the illicit trade in stolen bikes. And a major part of Bike Vault's success is its large social media following. So, hey, you might be able to follow them as well, in which case they've got more people out on the street looking for things. So it's an ever-growing community. It helps bring awareness to stolen bikes by having spotters who trawl for and report stolen bikes found for sale online and at second-hand dealer premises and whatnot. So the power of an informed community just can't be overestimated. just can't be. So prior to the launch of the register, stolen bikes were... Easy to sell for quick for quick profit, but now they've removed some of the pathways to selling the bikes, and maybe you get your bike back. So you can register your bike. That's a good thing to do. But have your bike insured. Um, the, the people at Bicycle New South Wales, they recommend Oz Bike Insurance, so you can cover your bike in, for the case of theft or other events, fire or flood or storm. Uh, and it's not that dear. They reckon from as little as $1.32 a week. Now, I don't know what gets covered for that, but you can take out optional cover for accidental damage and theft anywhere in Australia. So that's something to check out. That's Oz Bike Insurance. Make sure you report if your bike gets stolen, report it to the police because that's important. Sometimes they'll find stolen bikes and if they've got a report, then maybe they can get it back to you. Search online is a thing. Many people share details of their stolen bikes in certain Facebook groups, such as the ones that Bike Vault might provide you. Uh, and it's good to have a look at some things, maybe Gumtree or eBay or Facebook or Marketplace to see if someone's trying to sell your bike. And if you're buying a secondhand bike, this is important, when you're buying a secondhand bike, it is important to do just proper research so the buyer doesn't end up inadvertently buying a stolen bike. So some of the things to check, well, Google the name of the seller. Uh, is the seller on Facebook? Do they have pictures of themselves with the bike? on a number of pages. Can the, the seller provide more pictures, preferably themselves with the bike, 
Can the seller tell something about the bike? What's the best thing about the bike? How does it handle corners? What are the brakes like? Have they done any customizing to the bike? Uh, did they buy it new? Where did they buy it from? Why are they selling? Um, if they're buying a new bike, what bike have they bought? Can they provide a manual and proof of payment? That sort of thing. So, you know, a bike is a, it's a valuable, valuable piece of gear. A valuable piece of gear. A mate of mine, Andrew Keller, he's, he's just done a massive thing for charity. His bike? Oh, my God, it's part of him. Part of him. And he's just done another massive thing for charity. Always doing something generous. Amazing, amazing man. So there you go. Thank you, Bicycle New South Wales, for all that. I think if, you, if you're going to do that, then you might as well uh, you might as well be aware. If you get your bike stolen, you're going to be sad. You're going to be sad. If you're going to be sad, you've got to listen to MPD. Do you remember MPD? MPD Limited, though, of course. This song came out in 1965. It got into the top 10. It's called Little Boy Sad. I think you'll enjoy the song. It's a really good little song. <laughs> but don't get your bike stolen. There's some more things you can do about how you can secure your bike. It's not just using a cheap little thing that you buy out of a supermarket to necessarily lock your bike up because some of those can be just easily cut. You've got to, there's multiple ways. If you go onto Bicycle in New South Wales, bicyclensw.org.au, there's a whole thing on their website to tell you how to secure their bike. But in the meantime, here's Little Boy Sad. And this is MPD Limited. Oh, it's a beautiful song. Okay, you enjoy that. Hey, this is Scott Gibbons. This show is called On The Road. Oh, it's great being on the road with you. And we're going to come back with some more stuff. And it's a great show this week. It's a great show. And some of the music, I'm, oh, yeah. But here's MPD. You enjoy it.
Oh, yeah, MPD, Little Boys Sad. MPD Limited, that was Mike, Peter and Danny. They were uh, they were just three Aussies, just fabulous, fabulous song. One of the things we've got to be aware of is carbon monoxide poisoning. Carbon monoxide poisoning. Now, I know we're in summer, so not necessarily we're trying to get warm. But sometimes what folks do is they'll be using, say, their gas stove as a heater. And then they go to sleep because they're trying to be nice and warm when they're sleeping because they're cold. But that can cause carbon monoxide poisoning. Now, one of the things is that carbon monoxide is odourless. It's colourless. It's a tasteless gas. It's slightly lighter than air. And in sufficient concentration, it can kill somebody within minutes. So it's produced by the incomplete combustion of any fuel that contains carbon, including gas and natural gas and oil and coal and wood products. But many of these fuel sources, they're only used in cold weather. So the CO2 poisoning is considered by some necessarily to be a seasonal risk, but it can be built up in an enclosed or semi-enclosed space. So, you know, it, and you, when you breathe that gas in, it's just bad. So it's, it becomes a, a chemical asphyxiant. So when it inhales or when you inhale it or someone inhales it, it bonds with the hemoglobin in the blood, which is responsible for carrying oxygen through the body. So the CO2 replaces the oxygen molecules in the hemoglobin and deprives the heart, the brain and the body of oxygen. So high concentrations can displace enough oxygen in your body to cause oxygen starvation. And, and symptoms, uh, you've got not just the poisoning, but it can include the headache, uh, nausea, weakness, dizziness, confusion, uh, and exposure causes blood pressure to rise and attempt to get more oxygen to the body. So as a result, the skin might take on a reddish colour, um, and the CO2 exposure increases more serious symptoms, like you can get a lack of coordination, some chest pain, some vomiting, lack of consciousness. And if you're exposed to it for too long, death. So you know, you've got to be really, really aware that your stove is for cooking. Now, one of the things you should have in your RV is a CO2 monitor. It's like a little, you know, your smoke alarm. We can get the same thing. So this all came about because I was, I was reading a thing for, in goRV.com.au about a, a lovely couple, and that's exactly what they did. They were trying to stay warm. They didn't have another source of heat, so they thought they'll turn their gas stove on, and they they were fine. They woke up. That was good. They were driving along. That was good. And then driving along, then the symptoms started to happen, and they were 3K away from their destination when they rolled their vehicle rolled the van, did a lot of damage because all of a sudden he just lost total ability. So, you know, that's one of the things you've got to be aware of. So getting a, a carbon monoxide monitor, it's not a dear thing to do. It's not a dear thing to do. You'll find them, if you go on to you know, your, your Googleizer, you will find them from, you know, oh, I don't know, $10, maybe a bit more, $10 up to about $40. And it makes all the difference in the world because the alarm will go off if it smells carbon monoxide in the right thing. So the carbon monoxide detector, it will sound an alarm when it senses a certain amount of carbon monoxide in the air over time. Now, there's different types of alarms, and they're triggered by different types of sensors. There's the, uh, bio, um, the, the biomimetic sensor, which is a gel. That changes colour when it absorbs carbon monoxide, and its colour change triggers the alarm. There's a metal oxide semiconductor, and that's when the silica chip 
circuitry detects carbon monoxide and it lowers the electrical resistance and that change then triggers the alarm. And there's the electrochemical sensor. The electrodes immersed in a chemical solution senses changes in electrical currents when they come into contact with carbon monoxide and the change triggers the alarm. So it doesn't matter as long as you've got one of those and they're not dear, but it's really worthwhile having, don't you reckon? I do. Now, one of the things we want to do for you this year is to talk to you about a charity each week, where we can. And I had a friend, I was talking to a friend today and he was telling me about uh, his stepdaughter and she has some some cancer problems, gynecological problems. One of the charities that Rhonda and I are really big into is the Eggtober Foundation, E-double-G-tober, T-O-B-E-R, Eggtober Foundation, and they raise funds for gynecological cancers. So women with ovarian cancer or uterine cancer, vulva cancer, vaginal, cervical, whatever it be, gynecological cancer, they, they are really involved in helping. So if this year, one of the things we've got to do is, I would suggest to you, pick out a charity or two or three or four that you can support that you haven't supported before that really makes a difference in people's lives. So one of the things they've done is they've got a robotic surgical theatre now named the Eggtober Foundation because it recognises the foundation's efforts to improve the medical services for women with gynaecological cancers. That's at Liverpool Hospital uh, in in New South Wales, so that's fabulous. I, ironically, I, I am an ambassador for that particular charity, so it's called the Eggtober. So if you'd like to find out even more, you just go to their website, which is Eggtober, that's E-double-G-T-O-B-E-R.com.au. That's the Eggtober Foundation. They're raising funds for gynecological cancers. And I reckon, because we've been talking all about the girls, then they deserve a song, and this is Helen Reddy, I Am Woman... Hear me roar, I reckon. Oh, just fabulous. She wrote this, I think, in about 1971. So just phenomenal. You enjoy that. You can't help but get enthused by this song. I'm woman, Helen Reddy. Hey, this is Scott Gibbons. This show is called On The Road. It's all about the RV world and seeing Australia. And it's just fabulous. So if you're ready... I've heard it all before And I've been down there on the floor No one's ever gonna keep me down again Well, yes, I am wise But it's wisdom for the pain Yes, I paid the price But look how much I gained If I have to, I can do anything I am strong It only serves to make me more determined to achieve my final goal And I come back even stronger
Ah, uh, Helen Reddy. We lost Helen just a little while ago, but thanks, Helen, for that fabulous song. Now, where are we going to go? You're always wondering where you're going to go. And Australia, we're so lucky because we've got great places to go to. So I'm going to run through what some consider, some consider to be Australia's 10 best natural wonders. So where do we start? I don't think there's any particular order that you can start in, but I'll just run through them for you. Number one, Great Barrier Reef is, is the way we're going to start it off. The Great Barrier, oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Now, if you haven't seen the Great Barrier Reef, if you haven't gone out and seen it, you all the film that you watch is lovely. The film that you see of it is fat, but you've got to be able to, if you can, experience it because it's, it's, it's a beautiful, complex ecosystem. You've got dazzling coral, you've got beautiful sea turtles and gliding rays and beautiful tropical fish so many colors so many sizes so you can dive it maybe you can explore it with a snorkel or even even go over on a glass bottom boat and and see so much of it because the colors the colors vivid absolutely vivid it's a it's a real kingdom under there or you might just do a sea flight or like a scenic flight over it but for some way, you've got to see the colours. They're just beautiful. So that's in Queensland. We're going to stay in Queensland for a moment because we're going to go to the, the Daintree Rainforest. Oh, it's lush. It's green. You've got fan palms and prehistoric-looking ferns and twisted mangroves and beautiful white sand and coastline. It's a World Heritage listing uh, item, is the Daintree. It's World Heritage listed. So when you enter the forest, you just have this cacophony if you like of bird song and frog croaking and, the, and and you've got so much going on there but there's canopy walks there's self-guided walking trails there's four-wheel drive trips and horse riding and kayaking and you might even spot a crocodile on a cruise if you're lucky <laughs> that's all you want to do is spot it <laughs> nothing else nothing else no hand feeding then you can go to Uluru now if you're going to go to Uluru oh if you haven't done Uluru oh pretty Pretty. It's recognised as as Australia's most recognised natural wonder. So it's just uh, it just when people could come here from around the world, that's one of the places they wanted to go. We are here. You can go there if you haven't done it. Even if you have done it, I'd reckon you'd want to do it again because I know I want to do it again. It, it was that good. So when you see all those postcards, those beautiful images they're good. They are so good. It's like the Great Barrier Reef. The colours are great on paper, but when you see them in real life, that it's printed in your mind then. Oh, so good. So you've got, you've got a beautiful surface of, you'll get colours. You get colours. And it doesn't matter whether you see it of a morning, the colours are one colour. You see it of an afternoon, it's another colour. You see it when the sun's coming through, it's another colour again. And, and as the colours change, the whole mood of the area changes. So it's just fabulous. Now, you're not allowed to climb it anymore, but got to go to Uluru, so Northern Territory there. Now, back to Queensland, we're going to go to the Whitsundays, and, and you can hop around. There's a whole beautiful stack of, of tropical islands. So, you know, you can pull your RV in, do whatever you want to do, fly up there, do whatever you want, because Australia is just glorious. But if you want to hire a boat, if you don't have your own to take with you, but if you want to hire a boat, and maybe a yacht or a catamaran or whatever from, say, Early Beach, and then just drift through some of those, oh, they're beautiful islands, and it's lush, and it's green, and it's slow, and it's paradise, and there's so much of it. And when you do it, don't forget to have a look at Whitehaven Beach. Whitehaven Beach, I've been there. 
It's one of Australia, it's one of the world's best, 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 best. It's, the sand is so white, which is kind of, it's white haven, that's why. If we duck down to Victoria, we were allowed, <laughs> we were allowed, you've got the Great Ocean Road. Now, if you haven't done, oh, you've got to do the Great Ocean Road. You've got the 12 apostles, they jut out from the ocean, spectacular. So they've got all this beauty and the, and the headland and um, so there's about seven of them, I think, now. For the for, There were 12. I think there's seven now. But they were called the Samhain Piglets until sometime in the 60s. Somebody thought tourism might be good for this place, so they changed the name to the Twelve Apostles. So there was two stacks. The, the, the two stacks on the eastern, which is the Otway side of the viewing platform, they're not technically apostles. They're called Gog and Magog. <laughs> And the, the soft limestone cliffs, so they're just dynamic and they change and you've got this erosion coming in. One uh, was a 70 metre high stack that collapsed into the sea in about July 2005. And then the island archway, well, it, it lost its arch in about June 2009. So uh, the best time to visit, if you can, is to go there at sunset because you'll, you'll beat the tour buses because they've gone by then <laughs> when there are tour buses. And then you'll see the little penguins coming home so that's nice and then you've got Fraser Island now Fraser Island you've just had the massive bushfires go through there I think they lost about half the island but it's known by the locals as paradise and that's for pretty good reason because it's just I think it's the largest sand island in the world but you've got rainforest there you've got giant dunes you've got the creeks which are so oh crystal clear and beautiful and some of the lakes oh Oh, some of the lakes are just magnificent. So it is. It's the largest sand island in the world. So, you know, it's the only place, I believe, on Earth where rainforest actually grows on sand. So if you haven't done that, if you haven't done a drive through there and a drive along the beach, got to do it. Cradle Mountain in Tasmania. Cradle Mountain in Tasmania. Just had some friends come back from there. It's just magnificent. So you've got the crescent-shaped Cradle Mountain. It's Tasmania's most recognisable and spectacular mountain peak. It's an all-day walk uh, or a boulder scramble if you want to, if you want to get to the summit and back. And you've got terrific panoramas over the, the Tasmania's alpine heart. Just lovely. And you can just stand in awe and your camera will love it. It's just, it's just one of those fabulous, fabulous places. So you go out and do it today. You'll want to do it again tomorrow. It's that good. So that's Cradle Mountain. Just Wonderful. Ningaloo Reef. If you're going to go to Western Australia, Ningaloo Reef. Now, I haven't done Ningaloo yet. I've been to Western Australia. I've done a lot over there, but I haven't been to Ningaloo. Ah, I'm going to do it. It's on the list. It's on the list. It sits off the Northwest Cape on the Coral Coast in Western Australia. It rivals the Great Barrier Reef. So many say it just rivals the Great Barrier Reef for beauty. It's got more accessible wonders. You've got, you've got the turquoise lagoons, and you can enter those basically straight from the beach. So you've got excellent snorkeling. Development's pretty low-key, so you can camp there. And, ah, oh, lovely. And you're close to Exmouth and Coral Bay. Exmouth is just magic. And then, of course, you've got the Outback. So the Unidata Track at South Australia, you can, if you've got a four-wheel drive, do that. Got to do that. So you've got, you, you've, if you've got a van, you'll, you'll probably want at least a semi-off-road van, I would reckon, to do a lot of that, but you'll you'll know that you're in the outback because you'll become part of it. The sky, the sky just becomes bluer and the dust is redder and it's just magnificent. The days, you measure your days in kilometres and spinifex mounds and look after your tyres. You know, we, we talked about tyres earlier on. 
look after your tyres, run them at the right sort of pressure because you don't want to blow out out there. That's not fun at all. And, and then if you want to, then you can go to the mining town of Broken Hill and that would be just fabulous. If you haven't done Broken Hill, oh, you've got to do Broken Hill. Broken Hill is just magic. And we'll finish it off with the Pinnacles. Now, the Pinnacles Desert, some people say that you could you could compare it to the surface of Mars. I doubt they've been to the surface of Mars and sooner, but that's what they reckon. But you've got the Nambung National Park. You've got thousands of, of limestone pillars and they they just rise from the surrounding plain. It's, it's just like a... Some people say it's like a petrified alien army. So it's one of the world's most bizarre landscapes. It's called the Pinnacles Desert and attracts thousands of visitors every year. Um, at the moment, maybe a few hundred, but maybe thousands, who knows. But you've got to do that one. So there you go. There's some things for you to put on your little I'm going to do list. I think that would be good. Now, the other thing you've got to do with the I'm going to do list is to go to off-road systems because off-road systems are just fabulous. If you haven't been to off-road systems, or if you haven't looked them up and seen what they really, really do, then you've got to do it. You've got to do it. They are just the most fabulous people. Fabulous people. So what they do is they make drawers for your four-wheel drive or for your ute or whatever you want it to be. And the drawers they make are just incredible. They actually create them for you. So they're Australian-made. They're Australian-owned. They're Australian-designed. They're Australian company. They're built by Aussies. Most fabulous thing. Even the runners they use are better. The carpeting they use, a bit. the way they put the drawer insuits in is better. So if you spill something, you spill you know, your oil container or a bottle of wine or whatever, you can take the insert of the drawer out so you can wash it, scrub it, do whatever. If you've really destroyed it, they can get you, you can buy another drawer insert because you're dealing in Australia with Australians. You don't have to worry about you've destroyed something, you can't replace it again. And that's what happens with many, many things. These are produced here. Best drawers. Now, the other thing is you can buy drawers that are pre-built. So, you know, you want some drawers now? You've got them. I mean, if you've got a birthday coming up, you know, get yourself a set of off-road systems drawers. Offroadsystems.com.au But if you need something designed for you, if you've said, look, I want the slide on this side, I want the fridge slide over here, I want to be able to pull this drawer out, I want a table built in, whatever you want, they'll do it for you. Offroadsystems.com .com.au, off-road. And the thing is, with off-road, systems.com.au, wherever you are in Australia, they can ship it to you. That's the beautiful part about them. Yeah. So we're talking about all those beautiful things about seeing Australia. And if you're going to see Australia, heck, how could you see it? Like like if you're on the wings of an eagle and you flew over all of those fabulous things. Why don't we have Russell Morris, wings of an eagle? Here we go. Russell Morris. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, Russell Morris, Wings of an Eagle. Don't you just feel like you're flying when you hear that song? You're just soaring above everything else. I think that's lovely. Now, one of the things we always try and do is to talk about Aussie because we're seeing Australia and we are Aussies and we want to do more for anybody who is an Aussie business because, gee, they fight above their weight. They are so good. So uh, I found one for you this week, which is Beerenberg. I always talk about off-road systems because off-road systems are Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. We know that. So when you want your drawers and things, that's where you go. But Beerenberg, B-E-E-R-E-N-B-R-G, it's a German-sounding name because... Originally, they came from Germany in about 1839. It's still a family-owned business, 1839. That's just phenomenal. So today, they're still down in Harndorf in South Australia. That's where it's all happening. G'day, Vicky, if you're listening down there. Now, where do the products come from? Well, you, you can buy their products online or you can buy them on their website. You can get them in Coles and Woolies. And there's many independent grocers around Australia because they have got Australian stockists on their website. So you can search for the stockist by postcard, postcode, and you can do that. 
their farm, if you want to go to their farm, they've got about 100 acres on the outskirts of a small rural town of Handorf. <laughs> You've got to go to Handorf, H-A-H-N-D-O-R-F, Handorf. It's about 20K, 25K from Adelaide in the Adelaide Hills. It's got a beautiful rainfall and a cool climate, and it's fabulous for growing fruit and vegetables. So they've got strawberries there. They've been growing strawberries since 1969, and they're a supplier to the, the retail market in South Australia. And of course, they do pick your own, so you can go down there and do your own thing. But they grow Satsuma plums as well for jam and sauce and quinces for jelly and cherries are grown for the fresh market. And they've got gherkins and chilies and rose petals and all of that. So that's good. But the important thing is they sell to airlines when airlines were flying and hotels and cruise lines when cruise lines were cruising. But a lot of their product, this is the most beautiful thing, a lot of their product, 30% roughly, of their product is exported. So they sell to importers and distributors in Malaysia and Japan and China and Singapore and Indonesia and Vietnam and Sri Lanka and Korea and Fiji and New Zealand and Thailand and Taiwan and the Netherlands and Mauritius and oh, so many more places. So they're, And they're constantly gaining new customers because their food is so fresh. So that's clever, 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 clever. So, you know, their, their jam is terrific. You can go down and you can see what they're doing. It's a family business. They've got seven family members working together. So they are there and they employ about 100 people locally. So there you go. Is that good? That's Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. So it's Beerenberg, and you'll find them in Woolies and Coles and, and other places as well. But if you go onto their website, which is Beerenberg, B-E-E-R-E-N, B-E-R-G dot com dot A-U and you can buy Aussie and I think that would be fabulous for you, fabulous for Australia. Now one of the other things you've got to do is get out there and get the best campsite that you can and goRV.com.au they had a beauty thing in there which is how do you get a better campsite? Now all of this is pretty easy. It's pretty easy stuff. It means that you've got to do a little bit of pre-planning and that's basically all you've got to do. So you've got to, because sometimes, sometimes, and we all run late sometimes, and and we all think, oh, look, we'll just pull in there, and and you get the last site, and it might not be the best site, and so what they're trying to suggest to you is that if you want a better site, then you've got to do some planning. So, you know, do it some time in advance, and then what you do, you you can go onto Google, if you like, and you can look at the caravan park, and you can look at the exact location in relation to, say, busy roads, you can see the proximity to the shops and the other facilities and, you know, whether it backs onto a busy road or a railway line or a school or whatever that be. So you can use that type of approach. The other thing is that you can often, and many of the bigger sites are now, or the bigger parks, are now doing a site plan. So you can look at the site plan of the larger holiday chains, maybe, and they'll provide a park site plan on their website. And you can look at that and work out which one's going to be something that might suit you better than something else. So, And where the site plans aren't provided online, many of them will email you one. So they'll have a site plan and they can email it to you. And, and that helps you determine, if you like, the proximity to facilities such as the amenities block and the camp kitchen and the playgrounds and the major thoroughfares and all of that. So depending upon your circumstances, you might like to be close to the facilities or further away from or whatever it be. And so you might be able to select a few sites to to ask the park if those ones are available for you. Some people like to walk a particular site. So you'll find some parks will have like golf buggies, something like that, that will give you a little tour of, of the park area. 
Uh, so you can look at a particular site number or some particular site numbers if they've got them available for you. So that's something you can consider doing. So you, so rather than unhitching and whatnot, the park will give you the, the lot number and you can drive by it or maybe they've got a golf buggy to take you down there, something like that. And you can see if the site's going to be too tight for you, or if, if the location's going to be okay, if there's another location on another park or another part of the park that's better for you. Um, and you'll find out whether, you know, if, if it's comfortable for you to walk to the particular facilities and things like that, if you've got enough room to put your awning out or you're too close to a power pole or the water or the sullage or whatever it be. So that's all terrific. That's terrific. It may be you're only staying there for a night and you want a drive-through site. So if they've got a drive-through site, so many more are building drive-through sites now because they're so clever. They're so simple. But there are times that they don't have, and some parks don't have drive-through sites. But if you ask and you say, look, I'm just staying for the night, we don't really want to unhitch. Sometimes, if they're not busy, and I've had, I've had this happen to me and, and, and uh, others that I've been with, where the park has been so <laughs> accommodating, <laughs> where what they've done is they've said, look, here's a bigger site for you, so you can drive through that, or they'll give us two sites that you know, end on end and just treat that as a drive through because they're not busy and, and they just let you use both of those. You're only using one lot of power, you're only using one lot of water and they've got plenty of other sites so they're not going to get rushed out. So that's good. So really, all you've got to do is that little bit of planning and you'll get the best out of it, a little bit of research and everything's going to be so good. I think that's a nice thing to do if you like that. So good idea, a little bit of pre-planning, that would be good. So what do you reckon? If you're going to stay in a caravan park, even the nights are better, eh? because you've got the camp kitchen, maybe you've got the stars, the nights, a beautiful amenities block, all of those things. So if even the nights are better, then you've got to have air supply, haven't you? Now, this came out in about 1982. It's called Even the Nights Are Better. It's air supply. Oh, I think you'll like this. Air supply is so, so, so good. You'll enjoy that. Hey, this show is called On The Road. I'm Scott Gibbons. It's terrific being with you. Are you enjoying the show? If you are, if you want to share the show, Phil, oh, you're so welcome to share it. If you want to, just go back onto our website, which is just go on to ontheroadmedia.com.au. You flick through the little navigator there and you'll find podcasts and there's oh, something towards, we're well into the 60 shows now, so there's plenty of you to pick and flick and do whatever you want to do. So if you're driving along and you just want to patch all of those in, you can patch all of them in and you'll you'll find some things in there that'll, but it's the music. You'll find all the music we play is Aussie, and that's the best part about it. We just love it. So here we go. Even the nights are better. This is Air Supply. You enjoy that. I'll be back with you right after that.
nights about it and if you want beautiful nights then you've got to go to the Kimberleys haven't you the Kimberleys have you done it <gasps> the Kimberleys I think you've got to plan a trip there it's three times larger than England it's got a population of less than 40,000 it's the Kimberley region it's spread over Australia's entire northwestern corner it's one of the world's last wilderness frontiers so you've got oh, amazing wildlife and majestic canyons and freshwater swimming holes and you've got to see the outback stations because they're fabulous to see and if you want to do some four-wheel driving on oh, the road trips there oh you'll do it you'll do it you'll love it and you've got romance in the beach towns oh yeah so you know you, what you've got to do is get to maybe you start off in Broome Get get to Broome if you want to. Now, you can fly to Broome and hire a, a rental car or drive there. It's it, One of the things when you get to Broome is is Cable Beach. It's 22 kilometres long, Cable Beach. And the tides at Cable Beach, oh, the tides go out, you think, forever. Now, when, when you get there, 
Try and find out from a local where the tide is because if you think it's just a regular beach and you put your beach towel down and, and then you go away and you have some lunch and you come back for your beach towel, you might find your beach towel is like under six or eight foot of water. It's just the tides are immense, immense. So you've got a, a daily camel train along Broome as well, so that's lovely. If you can do that at sunset, oh, take your camera for that one. That is just a beauty. You've got to do it. So yeah, you got to do the, the camel ride. I think everyone who goes to Broome has to do the camel ride. So the sunsets are just amazing. And you've got, as I said, the white beaches you've got, and you've got the outback meets the beach. So if you're looking for, the, the way that I best describe it is the, the way the red rocks just just roan into the blonde beach, and then that just leaches down into the the blue and the white of the ocean. Oh, magic, magic. So it's just, if you want a laid-back atmosphere, it's wonderful. If, you, if you're tired of driving or, or whatever and you want to have some luxury, there's plenty of hotels and motels there and there's breweries and, yeah, it's all there for you. And the markets, the markets are great. But you can cruise along the Kimberley coastline. There's, there's lots of companies there. When the cruises are happening, and they might be happening now, I don't know, but True North and the Great Escape, they, they do those routes uh, you've got something like 2,600 islands there. You've got Aboriginal rock art, which is wonderful. The freshwater swimming holes, terrific. The white sandy beaches where you can have a picnic, that's lovely. You might even see some birds and whales and dolphins and keep an eye out for the crocs as well. <laughs> Somebody will tell you about them. But the Gibb River Road, uh, it's, it's a four-wheel drive only track. So you need a four-wheel drive for that one. It stretches about 660k from east to west through the middle of the Kimberley. And you've got some smaller roads off to either side, which go to, oh, the term is breathtaking. Is what It's breathtaking gorgeous. So you, get, you look at the gorges and you, oh, yeah. So And you've got outback stations, you've got lodges, you've got some, again, swimming holes and camping grounds and Aboriginal communities and conservation sanctuaries and accommodation. And yeah, when you do your planning, you will be amazed at what you will see there. Just Amazed. It's just terrific. And some of the trees in there. El Cuestro. Now, I, I haven't stayed at El Cuestro yet. Again, it's on my list. So it's something like a million acres. A million acres. That's 404,000 plus hectares. So it's a working cattle station. It's in the East Kimberley. It's near Kananurra. It's on the Gibb River Road. It's just a natural playground of majestic canyons and, again, swimming holes and bushwalking trails and Aboriginal rock art and grand mountain ranges and the the town the, the park the park has its own small township with camping sites and cabins and a shop and even has its own little airstrip and whatnot so there you go there's something for you to do something for you to, and while you're there you've got to see the bungle bungles because the bungle bungles are just they're often likened to beehives because of their black and orange stripes but they're clustered in their hundreds in, in Pernalulu National Park, which is in the East Kimberley. It's one of the, just, it's a fabulous thing to do. And if you can fly over that, that would be wonderful. So we're about running out of time. We're about running out of time. I think, I think we got to go. <laughs> I think so. But if you want more, you just got to go onto our website, which is ontheroadmedia.com.au on the roadmedia.com.au. My name's Scott Gibbons. It's fabulous being with you. I reckon we should have a little song to take us out. What do you reckon? Yeah, that little song. What about we have La La by the Flying Circus? La La by the Flying Circus. I bet you haven't heard that for a long time, but you're going to enjoy it now. I know it. <laughs> so this is Scott Gibbons, and I'll see you on the road. Tripping down the road.
the stairs, tippy-toeing in the dark Try to make sure you're tight, poodle, don't bark 